back to being on point like it's um it's been these past couple weeks have been like really good to us um i got like a lot of friends that are bartending downtown they're finally like you know they're it's really helping people catch up for a lot of like the lost wages and the missed work that was like occurred because of like last year well, so. i'm all for people getting back to work but we have to be smart we have to be smart i'm all for people getting back to work but we got to wear our masks. We got to be socially distanced. I mean, we're a little close, but you're, we're vaccinated. Uh, you are. I, I've had one uh, vaccine. <laughs> I get my second one tomorrow. I mean, I think. And uh, I'm, I feel like we're doing the right things, but we got to be smart I, I, about it. I think my, my take on it is this, right? I think that um, Austin is a very, like, I think you got to look at things on a case by case basis. And I think Austin's a very um, fit city. And we only had, like, we never really had, a, there was only, like, one point, really where we were worried about our hospitals being overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. um, and it didn't really seem to last for a very um, long you, time. People, so like, and I think that people, people here have been died. pretty- People died. Lots of people died. And I'm, we can't, this is a worldwide pandemic and we've gotta be smart. I, I agree, we should, we should be smart. And I think that um, when it comes to that, right, like our city should have done a better job of actually providing meaningful aid to the small businesses to actually encourage them to stay closed and follow the protocols because when you have all these projects that are being put into place that are gonna raise taxes and raise expenses, and you're telling these um, operations that they can't work or operate and you're not providing them with a just compensation for being closed, you are, um, not really helping out your cause. Like if they really wanted to, if they really cared so much about like public health and all that stuff, there would have been so many things that they could have done. Like they could have like a done a better job of encouraging extra people to exercise and go outside and do things to boost your immune system. Um, B they could have um, used some of that rainy day fund money or that money when they defunded APD to give it to small businesses, to give it to bartenders, to give it to people who are musicians, to give it to the music venues, to do all that stuff. They didn't do that. Mm -hmm. um, I know that Travis County got our money out to small businesses um, I know there was a lot of, you know, it was back and forth. You can't get money from both the city and the county. But we did get the federal dollars out and get them to small businesses and to the small cities um, yeah. to do whatever they needed to do with That's them. That's true, but, but was it? Did and it, we're getting a lot more federal money, which is very, very exciting. That's good. That is good. And I, I heard people from the Texas Restaurant Association are pretty happy with that, which is a, another good thing. But then it, it's also like you also look at what Adler's doing with the money. It's like they're trying to spend $100 million more of this on homelessness. Amen. I, I, you think so? Yep. I mean, it, but it seems though, here's my take on this though. It seems like the more money you spend on this, the bigger the problem seems to grow. Oh no. That, but that, but that is kind of. the money that we need to spend is on uh, rental assistance, access to healthcare, uh, job training, skill development, new jobs. Okay. And we're going to help people get off the street and stabilize sure. so they don't return sure. to the street. Sure. And that all that stuff is well and good. But it how is much good. how much are we putting into how much are we putting into that? Are we seeing any tangible results to that? Um, and when it comes to cuz I think like we could be doing a lot more for supportive housing. Like a lot of, there's so many like even unoccupied apartments. There's there's like a ton of apartments in Austin that are just unoccupied. Um, there's no reason why you can't allocate some un, like um, unoccupied apartments to help you know, do affordable or supportive housing and, and do some kind of like rental assistance, especially like 
Or if, well, if you, you prove you, that you have like a job where you have something yeah. that like you're doing, you're, you're showcasing that you're like improving your position in life, we should be doing a lot more to help people that are voluntarily trying to improve their position in life. I agree with that. We should be spending that money. But it, it just looks like from the, the way we see things that this money is just being thrown around and unaccounted for. Like half of the no, six- no, 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 no. So the, the money that I know about that is used to help people get off the street into housing, connect to services or jobs or whatever will help that individual, whatever they want really, to, to get their life back on track. There are, there's data that goes with it. There's measured outcomes. Do people stay housed? Do they gain income? And Austin does a really good job with the money that's focused and it's actually contracted through the nonprofit community. Uh, Caritas, LifeWorks, Salvation Army, Family Elder Care, Safe. Yeah. Um, it's it's, it's sure. powerful. Sure, I get that, I get that. And there's a lot of good stuff that you guys do. But you guys have also been like, you know, you guys have had, you guys have benefited a lot from the federal government and from the aid that you've had received. Like you've had, like these past couple of years have been pretty good to you, haven't they been in terms of fundraising? So, you know, uh, the money that Travis comes to from HUD down to the Austin nonprofit community and integral care is based on our performance from the years before. We have to continue demonstrating that we're getting people off the street, you know, they're getting a a place to live, they're staying in that place, they're gaining income, they're connecting to benefits. There's a whole bunch of, you know, red tape and HUD requirements in order for you to continue getting money. And we've gotten more money because we've done well. Okay, do you got any success stories they want to share right now? Oh, I was thinking about some on the way over here. Let's share, um, when share we were, I have some more like concerns that we're going to go on. Yeah. But let's 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 so, share a success story. A, a really cool experience <clears throat> was when we were using federal dollars coming to Austin that we competed for to get okay. to get um, U.S. veterans off the street, and you know these these were uh, men and women who were down and out, had served their country, and were asking for help. And we, one man in particular, I remembered, he, he was a dad. And when he got his own place to live, his two teenage children moved in with him. That's awesome. Why was it? It was awesome. But why, why, do, you, do you know, remember why he was homeless or what was happening? I can't remember his uh, exact story. I think that he battled some addiction uh, or something some like addiction that? Some addiction issues and I, struggled to, you know, uh, it, what, what's often the truth is that once you've been down and out, you've maybe um, been evicted before, or you've spent any time in the criminal justice system for whatever reason. It's harder to find housing. It is very difficult. And so sometimes our programs allow folks that second chance. And I think that stuff is, like, good. It's really good. I think that's good. And I I got a lot of friends who work downtown, and um, a lot of bartenders, a lot of bouncers, a lot of people that are working on 6th Street, a lot of them have records. And they've done really well for themselves by being by being able to work in the downtown environment. Um, my thing is this, though. It's just, you know, like when you have this unprecedented event that occurred, right? And you have COVID? these. Yes, we're talking about COVID. When you have an unprecedented. We have several. But we, when you have an unprecedented event. Yeah. That like could have really destroyed our our um, our culture. It could have destroyed our small businesses. It, it really has an adverse. It's really had a really bad effect on like our small business community and like the mu- the musicians and like the, the the industry that makes Austin special. You know, um, and so like when you know you have a when you have a chance to like allocate like hundreds of millions of dollars or tens of millions of dollars to like help ease that burden, 
and then you choose to spend it on like homeless services instead. I, I get, you know, the, the, the important need to help homeless people. I understand that. But when that is happening while like small, these small businesses are struggling mightily because of the, the lockdowns and because of what at like Adler specifically was doing, it's going to rub people the wrong way, I think. And I think that this is what we're seeing is a bad thing. much to do with what Adler was doing. My thought is that it is, it is a collective benefit when we um, end the suffering on the streets. It will increase uh, the economy benefits, I believe. I mean, I think people have made the case the economy is suffering in part to, uh, you know, uh, people not wanting to see people experiencing homelessness. Well, I think there's a bunch and, of other factors, too, though. And but. I also know that the that folks that are stuck on the streets are cycling in and out of emergency rooms and the criminal justice system our court system our shelters and there's a cost to that there is and a cost our, to that. so a lot of this is about trade-offs and timing yeah um we want people and businesses to succeed and we need to get folks off the street and i believe there's enough wealth and demand for services and business in austin travis county to do all of this sure so i'll tell you though about the small about like um about what you're saying about the businesses and stuff. Um, and I said, I, I got a lot of friends who like are either part owners of bars or work downtown in bars and stuff. And they have said specifically that like the presence of all the homeless people has decreased the amount of volume that their businesses has experienced because a lot of people, they see all this stuff. And it's not just seeing poverty. It's like worried about being harassed for money. It's worried about like leaving your car unparked and somebody going through your car. It's it's a lot of a lot of other factors are are kind of are, are kind of mushrooming and it's causing a lot of people. My girlfriend included, like me and my girlfriend we used to go downtown to get dinner a lot more frequently. Like we used to take walks down by like you know the Congress Bridge and stuff. And I personally, I don't care. They they don't bother me really one bit personally. But like my girlfriend doesn't want to go out to dinner and go downtown because of all that all the stuff that she all the stuff that she sees or she's worried about her car being messed with or something happening. Like there's a lot of people that like share those concerns um and we need to address those you gotta address those it doesn't seem like our city and our city's done like next to nothing to even acknowledge that and it's it, like i said the way they're the way that they've been responding to those concerns or being dismissive of it it's rubbing people the wrong way i think it has rubbed people the wrong way and i think um but we're not dismissing it anymore or they're not you know i'm a county commissioner okay you know, after yeah. eight years of being the executive director of the indian community homelessness coalition and so i've worked with people all across you know different healthcare, housing justice um you know transportation and i think right now there is a collective will to spend the money to make the change and we can't have it both ways you can't say we've got to help folks get off the street but we can't we don't want to invest the money in it this is an unprecedented right. opportunity right. but you got to make sure that the investment is profitable and you got to sell that investment as being profitable and over these past two years the city has done a terrible job doing that well, it's a new day. Right. Well, but but I'm saying, I'm just telling you, like, and I know that Loey and, and I not, talked not, about this yeah. before, and he was like, yeah, even Anne would agree, like, they did a horrible, the, the PR in terms of how they branded this and marketed it and how, how it was rolled out really was not done. It could have been done a lot better and a lot smarter, I think, you know? Okay. Um, you, you know, you look at look at the, the um, and I know that they, they had these rules in place saying, hey, they're not going to be able to camp um, in certain areas, right? But now it's like, oh, you're camping by the creeks. Like you weren't supposed to camp like on Cesar Chavez by like where the where the water is. Now you see a whole row of tents right by where the water is at. 
Um, and so eventually, like, people are definitely going to get worried. I'm worried about it mushrooming to a point where it's out of control. And I think that there's a lot of factors in play that that's can why get this, that. That's why the, this opportunity right now is we must, we must seize the moment. Because we have, we have a, it's a challenge, it, and it's nationwide. But we can handle the challenge we have here. We, it's, the scope is, is one we can deal with. When you look at the, the, you know, the growing population um, in the Austin Travis County area, our pe the people experiencing homelessness is a, is a number that we can deal with. Sure, I, I get that. Um, I, I, you know, I'm a big believer in like um, balancing out situations and not letting things get out of control to one side. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, you know, if we were in a situation where like we had like a super right wing DA or we had like a very right wing city council, you know, and you saw like um, a lot of suffering that the homeless were experiencing or you saw like a few years ago when you had a bunch of cops pulling over like one homeless person, like ganging up on them, like nobody liked that. Right. And I think that, you know, the, the, the um, maybe repealing the ban kind of occurred because people didn't really like how the homeless were treated under the old situation. And I understand that. Um, but, like, I do think that under this set of circumstances where, like, you have a DA that's pretty soft, um, that's pretty soft on crime and that's pretty also very um, understanding of, like, what a lot of people have to go through and, and very much, like, not doesn't seem like he believes in punitive measures and seems like he's a lot more understanding about these things than other people. You have a, a new, a, a totally new DA than we've ever had in history in our city. Um, we have an understaffed and demoralized police department just as a result of what happened. I'm just saying this objectively, you know? Um, and, and I think that when you factor those two things in, um, I don't really see, like, I don't see, like, Prop B really getting enforced too much where you're really going to see a lot of these homeless people getting records or really being dragged through the system at the level that they were dragged through before because of who the DA is and because of, like, there's less, there's less police officers being staffed and then you have a different city council. I think that a lot of these factors in play, I think just repealing, I think the Prop B thing, all it's going to do is just create an effective, like, countermeasure, and that's all it's going to do, I think. That's my take, you know? Yeah, I'm just excited about the work being done uh, across the community. We call it the summit. Okay. Um, where the the business community, the advocates, the healthcare community have come together to create a, you know, a real plan and a timeline and trying to raise the budget to be able to help folks get off the street and stay off the street. And that's that's the excitement about, you know, April and May of 2021. It's not this election. Yeah, I, I, I do think that you needed to have some kind of a stopgap to not let this mushroom out of control. But I don't think that, like, that's the final solution. That, that, does that make sense? Like, I think that um, there's a ton of, like, empty apartments that you could use to try to, like, build more I don't affordable. know about your empty apartments. We, I think we often have here, like, a 95%, what do you call it, occupancy rate. I thought it was, I, I had um, another podcast that told me that it was a lot lower. So maybe I'm... Um, I think it could be in the sort of different, um, they call them classes, I hate that word, of apartments. You know, maybe there's a lot of luxury apartments available. <laughs> I think everything's pretty full. Um or there could be apartments that need repair that might be empty. But the, the truth is, is that we're working hard with property owners, property managers, and building new affordable yeah. houses. And I also think there's a lot of businesses that people are working from home now because of the pandemic. You might see yeah. a lot of places that like yeah. that, that offices might not get filled or something like yeah. that. So there could be a, a spot. I think you got to be careful about where you where you allocate where you 
allocate that where you allocate those ho- those housing units considering like um you know com- hey, the commercial everybody's district everybody's got to live somewhere everybody's got to live somewhere and, um, but there's still got to also be input from the community as to where p- people go and how and making sure it's done like equitably and fairly too that's what i think i think so and you know i um you know safety's important we all i'm a mom your mom yeah you know um how old are it, your kids? Well, they're old, but <laughs> I mean, like, are they like my, my oldest? Age, right? My oldest turns thirty. Okay, so she's a on Mother's me. Day. Wow, on May right. 9th. Happy birthday! Yeah, and um, <clears throat> but you know, we all want to feel safe. Yeah. You know, um, we want to, you know, safety for our parents and our children are, are you, and grandchildren. Um, are you okay with like? Would you be like you okay know? with your daughter? Like, would you be okay with your daughter like walking downtown by herself at like one in the morning? Um, my two daughters live in New York City. Oh, all right. So and, um, they're okay, out, I grew up in New York City. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. Out, And my oldest daughter's in the restaurant business, and my second daughter uh, is just switching jobs, but she's been a lawyer at the New York uh, Legal Aid Society with people being evicted and whatnot. So my family is very in tune to what you're talking about, small business owners, people uh, you know, dealing with rental uh, issues, um, and, you know, I think this is just a moment, right, um, where uh, it's just like even looking at green jobs and, um, you know, climate work. As President Biden said, this is a time to sort of not raise but um, shape the next generation. And, you know, I think across the country we need to look at our housing policies, our access to health care to you know job training and education and the time is now sure. to fix some of these problems sure um we should we probably should have done something about that permian highway pipeline that's going through our central texas hill country do you remember that do you remember that one yeah yeah we i i i, I know biden it. did they i don't yeah. know i don't think they did though i i, well, I know that biden um revoked the keystone permit if you revoke the Permian Highway permit, that would be great. Yeah, I don't know. You know, like, I, I know, know people, I know a lot of, like, because I um, tried to canvas to stop that for a little bit. Not too yeah. much, not as much as, like, every, a lot of the other activists, right? But I did a couple days where I did that, right? And I was going through, like, Blanco, Texas, and, like, Kyle, and, like, all these, like, other small towns surrounding Austin. And there were people with, like, Confederate flags in their lawn that were, like, super pissed about this pipeline. Like, everyone was mad about it, no matter where you were on the political aisle. Like, yeah. You had, like, landowners and ranchers that were talking about how it was going to mess up the wildlife. You know, fishermen were, like, worried about, like, whether or not they were going to catch, you know, being able to catch the same amount of fish or eat the fish that were in the water and all that stuff. So I think that, like, that that's just been one of these environmental issues that I'm, I'm actually really surprised that, like, our city council wasn't, like, a lot, wasn't a lot louder about. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they should have been a lot louder about, like, if you want to talk about an environmental issue, they, they should have been screaming on the top of their lungs about that issue. Like, that is really bad. And then also, like, you know, you want to talk about, like, climate change and, you know, the environment. Like, seeing, all, seeing what we're seeing downtown by, like, the, the, by, the, by the creeks and by Lady Bird Lake and, like, a lot of the, the clutter and the trash and all that stuff that's happening as a result of a lot of these encampments, like, that's not good hold for on, the environment. Hold on, hold on. So okay. I don't want to blame all the trash on the encampment. Sure, but you there's know, a lot more of it because of it. Also, tremendous use of all our parks and hiking paths and... Um, you know, people have been outside for a year now trying to cope with the pandemic. We had a lot of the cleanup programs that the city counts on or that we all count on not working because of COVID. I mean, there was a, a cluster mess, if you will, of yeah. things that have cluster come mess. together. I like that a cluster mess. Yeah. A cluster mess. I like it. All right. um, you know, that have sort of created the situation we're in. And it is time to undo the mess. 
and get people housed and connected to job. I'm really excited about the job component. So what is the job? Training folks. Well, with COVID dollars, you know, what the federal government allows us to use the money to help people who were impacted by COVID. Okay. So just like small businesses. But it's also an opportunity to help get lots of people back to work. And um, so our the city and the county, even before COVID, have made a commitment to getting, I don't know the exact number, but more people, you know, into, well, good paying jobs. Yo, speaking of right? which, hey, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt That's you. That's all right. But speaking of which, um, I read an article on uh, KVU about how there's a literal shortage of um, workers for restaurants and bars because of people get that are like still getting unemployment. So, you know, if you really want to, if you really want to do that, one great way to actually um, address the situation is to get people from a lot of these small restaurants and small businesses to go where the campsites, campsites are and offer to train the homeless people to become dishwashers, to become busboys, to become bartenders, to become barbacks, to become waiters, to do all of that stuff. And they're, they are literally begging people to go work at bars and restaurants. Like this is a thing right now. Why aren't, why aren't they like allocating tons of resources to just get the homeless to go well, to work in the restaurants? It's, it's like a, really that's what we should we're, do. We're talking about it. Yeah. It's a strategy, you know, like because nothing's free, right? And so when we're going to work with folks to, you know, get them access to housing and health care, everybody needs money. We all got to pay our bills. And so the concept of affordable housing is that you don't have to pay more than 30% of your income. Yeah. So we've got to connect people to jobs, job training, um, and, and benefits as, as they are available so that people can not only pay rent, but buy food and get around. Yeah, I agree. And I also think that um, if, if the restaurants or, or if, if the Texas Restaurant Association or if like the city partnered up with some of the, with the Texas Restaurant Association to like offer um, training to the homeless to like actually work in bars and restaurants, you, you're going to see a lot of people get off the streets quick because that's good money. Yeah. Like that's real money. Like you, you work as a bartender, especially now, you're going to get paid. Yeah. And you're going to be okay. You're going to find a place to live. You're going to be able to pay your rent. You're going to have some disposable income. Yeah. Like, this is such an easy, quick fix solution to doing yeah. this that I don't understand why it's not being implemented. Hopefully, like, you know, you could maybe get that word around because I think that that would solve a lot yeah. of problems, just literally getting people from bars and well, restaurants and to train need, the homeless you, to do this. Yeah. Sorry yeah, if I'm well, getting animated, and, um, but that's... You know, a lot of the folks experiencing homelessness have skills. Why don't want us to talk about them like they don't? No, I have some. Um, yeah, and so... You know, there is that connection that we need to make. And there's also, it's so, I, I you know, you talked about stories at the beginning. Um, I know a woman who was working at, at a bakery here in Austin, but she was experiencing homelessness. And she had to take her backpack every morning to the bakery and she would hide it in the bushes because she didn't want her fellow workers to know that she was homeless. That she was homeless. And she would come back. We set up this temporary shelter for women. And she would come back with flour and olive oil all over, you know. And she had worked hard. She got up every morning and got a shower and got off to okay. work. And my point is, is that but like, it is so hard to, to maintain a job and take care of yourself when you're stuck on the street. No, I understand that. But um, she worked at a bakery. She worked at a bakery. Do you know if she had any, like, mental issues or if she had any addiction problems no, or any she, substance she, stuff? She, like, because that's... Um, I don't, I don't know, but she she seemed great to me. We became friends. So I worked. You know, when I first moved here, I worked at an uh, after school program. Yeah. And I only worked like five hours um, a day, right? Twenty five hours a week, and I got like eleven bucks an hour. 
and I, I was struggling. I was it yeah, was you really can't difficult. Pay rent, do no, it. but I, I was able to. Like I paid my bills and I figured it out. Like and I found one. I, I paid like five hundred bucks a month for my room or something like that. Like, yeah. How long ago was that? Two thousand fourteen. Yeah. Um, they had the ballpark apartments right now, which the city literally burnt down to like uh, demolished to, for the project catalyst, this new domain. So it is, you know, that's another like whole rabbit hole we could go down. Um, but there's like, and I see places on Craigslist that you could still rent a room for like five or 600 bucks a month or do yeah. something. And I One found of the this challenges that, you know, folks that have been experiencing homelessness that to compete in the rental market is difficult. Because like I said, you know, we've got such a demand for housing here that if you have any blemishes on your record, you're easily dismissed yeah. as, as a potential renter. I get that. And so I'm so, so grateful to the landlords and property managers that work with ECHO and the other nonprofit organizations to partner but, up and get folks. But I got a ton of house. friends who have records that, are, that have no problem finding a spot either, though. Well, so I, it's like it's, I, I think that like there's a lot more opportunity than people give like credit for. You know, like I think I think that there's I think like if if you're in, like in Austin, Texas, this is literally like the like, golden land of opportunity to like to be something. Yeah. You know, like I'm I, I'm doing pretty well for myself with uh, pedicabbing and what I'm very thankful yeah. and humbled and grateful for it. But I'm not like I don't really have that many skills. Like I've never been good at anything in my life. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying it's to fish for compliments, but I've literally like failed at everything I did. You know, like I when I was in New York City. Like I was, I still live at home with my mom and dad, like in New York before yeah. I even came to Austin. And yeah. I came to Austin with like no money, nothing. Like being able to just ride this pedicab around, yeah. I've been okay. Like, and there's like a million places that are hiring. There's a million like opportunities to get a job. Like the city's growing so fast. Like there's always somebody that wants help and wants to hire you if, you, if you're willing to like actually work hard and grow and present value. So I, I feel like there's, uh, I don't know, like there's plenty of opportunity. Like I, I feel like. There's so much there's way more opportunity than like um, people are making it out to be, you know. Well, um, great. Then That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, be easier to help connect people to opportunity, and um, I think what I think you're saying is that why don't people just get up and take their bedroll and go get a job? And I think that by the time you find yourself sleeping on the streets for any period of time, I know some people do it real briefly and it's easier to get out. But if you've been out there for any period of time, you got some cards stacked against you. you your, your situation is probably more complicated than you and I are, are referring it to be. And so they need a little help. Did you hear about the Aurora, Colorado mayor who spent like a week camping on the street pretending to be homeless? No. There was a mayor in Aurora, Colorado who spent a week camping, right? And he, nobody knew that he was a mayor yeah. at all. Like he just disguised himself, looked like a regular old like homeless mic or something like that. He called him, you know? And he just said that, like, he was he gained weight while he was there because people were feeding him constantly. Um, and that, like, um, all like the majority of the people that were the, just there were just it was just it was just a drug den. Like, when he when he set up his tent, like, and there was a row of people in the tents, like, it was just a, a big drug den, was what he basically described it as from being there. And yeah, like, the way we did things before, it's not good, right? There's got to be a middle ground, but there's got to be an honest assessment about like, like, allowing tents to get stacked up all down the street and down the city is not the way to solve this problem. Yeah. That, that I, it really isn't. And you got to do something about clearing these tents off. Like you got to clear these tents out for now. And, and actually it doesn't mean the work is done. It just means like you got to hit the reset button, clear these tents out and, and, and like actually work together to come up with some of these solutions that you're talking about. Does that make sense, Anna? Uh, I think, uh, it makes sense to get folks, uh, access to places to live, jobs, healthcare, um, and yeah, I you know, I yeah. like like seeing all these t and also like 
Um, you, you talk about your, your the, the lady at the at the bakery, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if she lived in a tent, like, how do you know that her stuff is like? If she has to go to work and she lives in a tent, how do you know your stuff's even safe? She had you, to take her stuff with her. She like wasn't her, leaving it in a tent. She didn't trust. Exactly. Anything, yeah. You know, and so, so even if you're in a tent, though, a like, lot of people I think get then stuck in a circle of you got to stay with your tent to keep your stuff. You know, like, and that's that that makes it hard um, for them to get off the streets and do anything because absolutely. they're worried about their tent getting stolen, and then you wind up being homeless longer because you're stuck downtown. And you're in a tent, but and people, you're worried about your stuff getting people taken. People need a safe and decent place to live, and yeah, I'm so happy to be working on that solution or those solutions. I like the mobile loaves of fishes thing that they forward. gave them a bunch of money. I thought move that was good. Forward. I thought it was good that they gave a bunch of money to mobile loaves, which is really good. Who did? Like the city gave, like yeah, the city gave a lot of money to mobile loaves, which okay. is I think really good. Um, but yeah, so that's why I think like maybe the tent stuff is actually could be making the problem worse though because you know a lot of people that are out there on the street with their tents like you don't want to leave your tent because there's a lot of predatory behavior that goes on in those encampments. Um, and look, I, I'm not like trying to say anything as like fact, right? But I would not be surprised if this was like if the mentality because like a lot of people on the streets have records, right? They've been through the system. I wouldn't. Some be, of them, but but, but, there, there's, but there's, not all of them. But there's definitely a sizable chunk of people who are on the streets that have been through the system, right? Um, I think they've been arrested for all different kinds of things. you've been through things. the system. Okay. Yeah, you've well, been through, through the, the system. you make it sound like they've spent years. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm trying to say. Like, but, you've been through um, the system in, in a capacity. Or you spent yeah. time in, like, county jail, and, and you've gone yeah. through that stuff, right? Trespassing. Whatever it is. Yeah. Right. But um, there's definitely... I would not be surprised if there's, like, a level of pettiness in those areas that you see in the jails. And I also wouldn't be surprised if, like, you have certain homeless people that are preying on weaker homeless people. And I'm worried that the situation that you have in play because you have a, you have a, um, a DA that's like doesn't believe in like um, in, pun- in punitive measures, which I think can be good in, in some areas I like think, marijuana think... and, and, and other stuff. But like you have a DA that's kind of like a, a lot more lenient than any other DA has been. Um, if you're like a homeless person, right, and you're like a victim and you're being like bullied or you're, have, you're worried about like somebody like taking your stuff or trying to like extort you or do all types of stuff, which you don't know what. Like, that stuff could possibly be happening, right, in these tents. Um, you might be scared to say something because you know that the person who's, like, doing this to you is just going to get out in a day anyway and make your life worse. So, like, there's, there's, there's so, you these know, other before, factors you got to When we cons- had a ban on camping, the police, what they told me is that they, you know, didn't enforce a lot of these kind of, uh, what do we call them, lifestyle or... Uh, yeah, lifestyle crimes. Yeah, because it was just this cycle of just by the time you'd arrest somebody and take them to booking or whatever, they'd be back out before the police officer could finish the paperwork. Yeah, it's annoying. And it's just the cycle. So what we, the goal I think is, it's not like soft on crime versus hard on crime. It's a recognition that we need to spend our public investment differently. We need to look, um, you know, further upstream, if you will, and focus on the social determinants of health. Make sure people have you know, jobs, education, health care, a safe and decent place to live, good food to eat, so that people have the, can, you know, the, the infrastructure around them, the scaffolding, if you will, to be their best self, to, to reach their potential as I agree. human beings. I agree. I, I, and then I think we can have less of this. Our whole country needs to turn the page and, and, and you know, live anew in community and and put sort of some of these old ways behind it. I, yeah, I think I think in some capacity, yeah. I do think, though, like we were talking about, like I think that if you enable this too much, so you might start attracting people from other parts of the state or other parts of the country to come to Austin in droves, and that could um, create a more toxic um, environment for the, the homeless. Like, 
you know, there, there's you don't want to make the solution to the problem worse than the problem itself. And I think that um, the way we did things, it was it's an experiment. And I think that ultimately we got to keep trying new things. And if an experiment is failing and people are unhappy with how it's going, like it's okay for like the city to say, Hey man, we messed up on this. This is, this didn't work out the way we did. We, we wanted to, we're going to just try something new that like, and I, I think that my issues, that that's exactly what's happening. When you look at the summit that I talked about of the downtown business Alliance, the chamber of commerce now working together with the Austin justice coalition and echo and the nonprofit organizations to say, how do we resolve this issue? What are the solutions? What do we need to bring? And what scale? How, how, how much affordable housing do we need? How much access, access you know, to uh, new job training or to detox for someone with an addiction? You know, what is it? What's the scale of the problem? And how do we pay for that? Yeah. You know, we, we drafted this similar kind of plan back in 2017 when I was at Echo. And the challenge was w- the, it was a lack of resources. You know, everybody appreciated the plan. We had it blessed, you know, up and down, left and right. And we never saw the money materialize to scale the solution. And that's what's unique about this opportunity is that I believe it's going to be okay with the feds to use a whole bunch of this money to get some of these things right. Sure. That that would be great if we fixed if we if we look as long as And we won't be the only community doing it. That's one one thing when people say, "Oh, if we do this, everybody will come here." Well, I don't I don't think that's the case because San Antonio, Waco, Dallas, if you look at the federal dollars coming down to address homelessness or housing, they all get more money than we do. I don't know about Waco. But they get lots of federal dollars. Um, and so I'm excited about that, that we won't be the only ones working on this issue. Sure. I, and we got to also make sure the money's accounted for. Because I remember I read Absolutely. a Statesman article about how $30 million of the $60 million that the city was going to put to homelessness got unaccounted for. Remember, like, Ryan Atula wrote a whole thing about that, like, last year. So, like, you got to make sure. I think that, like, in order for people to, like, you got to get... If you're going to do this stuff, you have to get the public on board with that. And you need transparency. And, like, our city has been horrible about transparency this past year, especially with the pandemic and the lockdowns. And there was, like, a a lot of double talk, what it felt like. You need to get, like, you need to restore trust in in your city officials so that people can go along with this. And right now, like, the trust in our city officials is at at an absolute zero, pretty much, from from what I've been gathering. So you need to restore trust in your city officials. And you also need... Um, to like do a, you need to also be transparent about how that money is being spent and you got to document that so the, the public can see that visibly. So, you know, I've, this is my first, uh, job as an elected official mm-hmm. and, um, I'm very excited to be bringing sort of my com- commitment to, you know, outcomes, to results, um, to this work so that I can hold others accountable. And I can look for, you know, programs that work. Let's scale up what works and let's stop doing, stop doing what, doesn't, what work. doesn't work. Yeah. Like, I think supportive housing works. Letting people camp in the little street doesn't work. You know, like, that, that's, that's what I think, right? Or I Go think, for it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think maybe forgiving. And I talked about when I met you a couple years ago, I was like, maybe if somebody, you know, has, like, gone through, like, um, whatever drug rehab or they're, they're doing vocational training or they've had a job for a couple years, right? And they got, like, some delinquent utility debt. 
forgiving that under those circumstances, that would probably work. Right. Like um, teaching like like job, like vocational training in a job that people need to work in, like the restaurant industry, which they're desperate to hire people. That would work. You know what I mean? So I think that, you know, there are a lot of solutions that work, work. but you can't just like die on a hill of things that are that people are furious about, which is tense. You know, like that's my take, you know, like that's. And I know that's, you know, part of what you wanted to talk about, but that's um, the voters are going to speak about Prop B. Yeah. But regardless of the outcome of that election, the rest of us are at work to create opportunities for housing, health care and jobs for, you know, folks who have been relegated to the street. Facts. So and let's get working. Facts. on Facts. And that's why we're having this discussion. So we can actually talk about this and, and having to be adults about it, because no one's an adult, especially on social media. Everyone's like it's all extremes. Everyone's either yeah. like, hey, you're enabling vagrancy or you just want to punish poor people and you want to jail. And like, there's, there's a middle ground approach. We've got to figure out what works and yeah. what does. We've got to have grown-up yeah. conversations. Yeah. No matter what the outcome is, work's got to – you got to – You know, you gotta, another thing we haven't really talked about is – and it, there's nothing perfect. But, you know, a lot of the folks on the street have asked for help. And what I mean by that is they've called Echo and said, how do I get off the street? And our response is, you gotta, we got to do this assessment of you, and then we're going to stack you up against everybody else experiencing homelessness, and we're, we're taken from the top of, of the folks who need it the most to who's most likely to die on the street. And that is a very long list of people wanting help. And until we get this commitment through this summit and all the different you know, entities coming together, it's been sort of slow work, about 1,500 people a year that we've been able to help resolve their homelessness. Yeah, and that's and all. And so we've got to double that capacity. Sure. And you know that I used to do um, paid medical studies when I first moved here? No. I did PPD studies for a little bit, right? And I made like three, four $4,000 a pop doing these things. Like when I, after my first, I, I, uh, so I wanted to be a school teacher when I first moved here, right? Uh-huh. I did. And it didn't work out, but I did my best. There were some other circumstances that weren't really my fault. Didn't work, right? Okay. Um, and because of that, like I was pedicabbing, but a lot of the money I made was going to school, like to pay for school. And so I came after my first year in Austin with no job. Um, I had this, this dream and these goals and everything seemed like it was falling apart. I had like $6,000 in credit card debt and a hundred bucks, like maybe like a thousand bucks in the bank one, maybe enough money to pay one month of rent. Right. And then I, um, went on this website called PPD, pharmaceutical product development. Right. And they basically like, you know, they, they do clinical trials on people to see the efficacy of the medication, right? Um, And I'm not like trying to say, hey, everybody just go be a guinea pig. But I called them, you know, I didn't do, I I had no drugs in my system, no tobacco, nothing, right? I was clean for 30 days and I got into the study. They let you just hang out there for whatever the time period is. They feed you, they, you just got to make sure you take the medication and they like take your blood and they do all that stuff, right? But first study I did, I made like $2,000 in like four days. Wow. You know what I mean? And then, like, I did another one, like, a few months later, and I made four grand in, like, nine days or something like that. And then I did another one. I made another four grand. I went to Europe with, with that money and, like, paid off all my debts and was, like, good because those studies combined with pedicabbing, combined with working more, it just helps. So it's, like, there's, there's so many opportunities to just go make, like, a quick buck that they gotta do, you got to do a better job of just communicating just an opportunity to just go get what's yours. Because if you, if you do a study and you get three grand, you're going to find a place to live. You'll find a place to live for at least a few months. I don't know. Uh, I know that a lot of the folks that, you know, that call my number and people still call my cell number asking for help with housing, 
they have these very extenuating circumstances. They have children, they have debt like you're mentioning, they have you know, an eviction on their record. Um, somebody has stolen their ID. You know, yeah, that, that, that's so shitty if that happens, yeah. We just have to work through that. And some of I you're exactly right that for, for a huge chunk of the population experiencing homelessness, they can resolve that homelessness with just a little help. They might, if we could go pay some back debt, or we could fix their car so they can get to their job, or you know, help them out with the bus ticket. There are, and we probably need to do a better job at finding those easy to resolve cases, um, and and get them back on their feet. Because there's probably because a ton of them. Because we yeah. have prioritized for good good reason um, the other end of the spectrum the the most complicated because yeah. we know they're not going to resolve by themselves yeah and i think that maybe reversing that could actually um do or a lot of good both, in, figuring out how yeah. to work both because if you knock out the easy ones and there's less there's less of a pool that's to work exactly with then it becomes less right. overwhelming knock that's out the exactly easy stuff first right that's exactly yeah right. but anyway and what time is it? i think we, we've talked about like yeah, a lot of what we it's wanted 423 to. uh so let's wrap it up yeah right. we've spent a good half hour doing this right yeah. so um anyway and thank you so much for going for coming on. You're I didn't even introduce you. I, that was so unprofessional. But you're the county commissioner for Precinct Three, right? Right. That's the western parts of the county, but it includes downtown. It goes all the way to Jonestown. Damn. You ever been to Jonestown? No. Where Where is that? Well, uh, it's beautiful. It's like the Texas Hill Country. It's out. You go out 183 to 1431, and we've got Jonestown and Lago Vista. On oh, the other that's like side near Lake Travis. Oh, yeah, man. it's on right, Lake Travis. Right. Okay. On the other side of the river, we have Briarcliff and Lakeway and Bee Cave and Valente. You know, um, I, I got little communities all over the place. Down south, Santa Leon, San Liana. Um, nice. Lots, lots of stuff going nice. on. Now, how do we get in touch with you? Um, so my <clears throat> Facebook page is Commissioner Ann. Okay. Um, and my website is annforcommissioner.com. No, I won the election. You it's, won. I won. It's uh, commissionerann.com. Nice. That's all. Okay. And then uh, Twitter's what? Ann Howard TX or it's, something? Yeah. Ann Howard TX. And then it. Instagram is Ann Howard TX too? That's right. All right. Cool, cool. Awesome. Um, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate this. Um, and we're, we're going to stay in touch and I'm going to keep communicating with you. And I think thank that we got to keep communicating with each other no matter how this goes regardless yeah, right let's like and talk it's just about, like uh, some of the successes yeah the community the communication has to, to stay consistent and like you, you got to keep keep everything going i think that's the only way any initiative could yep. ever work right no matter what yeah um so anyway thank you so much um and howard ladies and gentlemen thank you thank you thanks a lot all right